Hello, Polytopians. Thanks for tuning in to the Polytopian Times. I'm your host, Sam, and today we're talking about the Adak, the profitable traders of the long road. Let's take a look at them. You look out at the clear blue sky above the beautiful but harsh Kali Plains, their expansive dry brown steppes, stretching out as far as the eye can see, intermittently broken by small clumps of bushy trees or a stray mountain or two, their brown slopes rising up to sharp, snow-capped peaks. A strong wind blows across the plains, and birds can be heard singing from the tree cops. On these steps, you can find kazoos growing, a fruit reminiscent of a lemon. Out grazing upon the kazoos are kamelk, extremely persistent animals that look like a crimson-colored crossover between a camel and a moose. From even a single kazoo's fruit, a kamelk can get enough nutrition to walk for weeks across the harsh Kali plains. A walk like that would bring you in contact with many long roads, each of which would lead you to an exquisitely built city, featuring massive gold and red domes over buildings made of white brick with red stripes, beautiful windows, and jutting towers. That's a Yadaki city. The Yadak were inspired by the cultures of people living along the Silk Road, such as the Turks and Mongolians. This can be seen in the tasseled fezes that the Yadak wear. They started out as simple nomads, but quickly developed into the preeminent traders of the square, with impressive trade networks they used to connect their empire. Their extensive and elaborate network of roads often begin as well-tread routes for merchant caravans and religious pilgrims. All roads are eventually paid over by a team of road builders, and every brick is blessed by priests of Tizan, the god they worship. Despite usually being written off as simple merchants, the Yadak invest plenty into both art and education, often building museums and schools in their trade hubs. Of course, most art and education revolve around bartering skills, desert survival, and Kamel husbandry. Most of the Yadak merchants do business under the banner of the Horn Trading Company, the square's largest trade guild. Some like to say that the Horn Trading Company is the real governing force in Yadak, seeing as it operates its own military force. No matter what you do in the Kali Plains, though, it's likely going to mean long travels across the Yadak countryside on their many highways. After a long day traveling the roads of their beloved lands, every Yadak loves to sip a cup of hot Kali's around the stove in their ear. This potion slightly pitches their voice in a way that makes it possible to sing the traditional chants that have been sung by their ancestors since the beginning of turns. So, let's talk resources and terrain. Yadak has 150% of the default fruit spawn rates, 50% of the forest spawn rates, and 50% of the standard mountain spawn rates. They start with roads, which means they have quick early game expansion with roads that can also build up their economy on the side, and that's something that they need to keep in mind of to leverage. It's, it's, a, it's a good perk for them. On their first turn, one of their best moves is building a road in a diagonal direction towards the center of the map. That's going to give your warrior a boost towards getting your second city. And you just move them off down the road, and you'll get to move two tiles instead of one on that first turn. And then, on your next turn, because you only spent two stars on the one road, you can get the five stars and get organization. Start growing your capital and the new territories you're going to be getting, as well as build roads to them to help boost that eco. Because you have half of the default mountain forest spawn rates, your economy is going to revolve around gathering fruit, farming, and road building, especially in the early and mid-game. Windmills are going to make sense to focus on after that, since you have an abundance of plain, all of which have a chance of having farms on them. More plains means more overall farms and hopefully better windmill locations. And since you're going to want to grow your economy constantly, always, during the game, no matter what you're doing, that's probably going to be the best way for you to boost your economy effectively in the late game, seeing as you'll probably have an abundance of farms and fruit. 
Now, as uh, far as a military strategy goes, in the early game, you'll do well raiding with riders, because you've got a lot of mobility with your road network. You'll be able to run in, do some damage, and run out rather quickly. And it'll let you move a lot of reinforcements from the rear of your empire towards the uh, front lines very quickly. Uh, much faster than your opponents, hopefully. You know, a combination of rider production in those rear cities that you rush up to the front, along with warrior spam in cities closer to that targeted front, can offer a really strong early game offense, and it's a pretty feasible cost to, you know, maintain that while you're upgrading cities behind the, you know, front line. Honestly, as long as you can keep up the fight effectively and keep your opponent busy, it might, you know, work out even if you don't win militarily, so long as you grow your economy faster than your opponent because you're keeping them occupied and busy, forcing them to spend stars just to counter your attack. And as long as you're on the attack, you have a better chance of denying their eco. You know, you can deny them places to upgrade, uh, just standing on resources so they can't access them. And as far as defenses go, you're going to want to keep in mind, too, that uh, you have half of the normal amount of terrain that it granted a defense bonus compared to, like, standard tribes. So you're going to need to be prepared for more brutal fighting in your own territory. And you're probably going to want to look for hard points like forests or mountains where you can get those defense bonuses and then focus your defenses around them, as long as they're in a useful place. I mean... Don't go defending mountains behind your capital on the border of the map. Nobody's going to show up there. But uh, do try and leverage mountains in the middle of the map in a small cluster where you can just uh, obviously get the defense bonus and just focus the fight. If they can't break through there, you know, obviously they can try and work around, and you're going to want to keep an eye on that. But if you can try and keep their forces focused there by staying aggressive in that area, you might be able to leverage the defense bonus to your advantage. And it's definitely, like, if you're going to try and set up shield walls or something, probably looking for a spot in the middle of the map where you do have a couple of forests and mountains can uh, help guide where you're going to actually position the sucker. Because, again, that defense bonus can be the difference between life and death. You can fend off the enemy and get to the next turn where you can get some reinforcements in range, perhaps some ranged units, or at least build up your eco so you can build more defensive units on the next turn. Maybe get a giant spurned out. Uh, whatever you're doing, you just want to sort of keep in mind that you're going to have these hard points you want to focus on when you are defending. Now, uh, the other thing you might have is easy access to defenders because you're going to go for organization early on. So, I mean, reliably, you can use those to get those shield walls up. And, I mean, it, it all sort of works together. So if you're under attack with Yadok, the best response if you're you know available you know like you have these spare stars is to get some shields up and then march them out you know find some hard points make it hard for the opponent to get into your territory while you build up in the background and get reinforcements going uh you know you might want some knights combined with shields can be quite effective you can use the shields to deny enemy knights uh the ability to get into your territory while you know hitting them with your knights and you know hopefully breaking through so you know, just, uh, just be aware that you're going to want to leverage both your road network's mobility to get units to the front faster, especially your cavalry, and at the same time, you have quick access to defenders, and, I mean, since you don't have a lot of mountains, swords are not going to make economic sense, so you're not going to get to them very early unless you go and spend a lot of stars to get there. Understanding you're not going to be able to leverage that to grow your cities. It's the same with catapults. Both of those techs are off-down routes that aren't really feasible, seeing as you have 50% of the normal resources. I mean, 
lumber huts are more feasible than mining by far because you're going to have a lot more of those than mines because the mountains are rare as is and the mines are not on every mountain so you're going to have far fewer mines than even mountains at least you'll have more forest that you can reliably leverage but even then you're going to want to keep in mind that you're largely going to be focusing on organization and roads and like defenders might be the easiest melee unit you can use to deny an enemy the ability to get into your territory while simultaneously giving you the ability to set up some offensive capabilities so you can strike their territory instead. Uh, you always want to be pushing that offensive if you can, or at least uh, have a solid line that they can't push past. But honestly, always be expanding economically and territorially. Just keep that in mind. It's going to do you really well, no matter what you're doing. So, let's say you want to try and counter your dock. What, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, they're just a standard tribe with faster warriors through roads. Uh, the best counter to that is going to be using warrior spam to try and forward settle them. Grab as much territory as you can by just putting out as many warriors as possible to go out there and just grab free cities. Um... Beyond that, there's not a lot to do. They, again, they're going to play militarily a lot like a standard tribe, except for their raiders. And again, warrior spam's good at stopping raiders. You can block their movement, you can counter them, you have better defense when you get attacked, and you can attack them after they, you know, finish their attack. You know, you can get in range and still finish them off. So just warrior spam all the way through for uh, a good counter to the tribe, at least in the early game. By the late game... You know, it's the same counter as you get anywhere. You situationally figure out what works on the map for you. Maybe it's a combination of battleships and knights. Maybe it's catapults and swordsmen. Maybe it's uh, archers complementing a uh, variety of that group. But, you know, it's, it's all going to be dependent on the map you're on. So, why would you choose your dock? Well, if you want that expansionist tribe that's got a decent economy in the early game, and this is going to be one of the best when it comes to standard tribes. And also, their music totally bumps. Well, that's our episode today. Thanks for tuning in to the Polytopian Times. Next week, we're looking at the Zabasi, the farmers of the savannah. See you then.